You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 256. I'm Tim Robertson, but uh, no David Cohen, unfortunately, this week. There was a uh, medical thing he had to take care of uh, in the family, so he couldn't make it this week. I do want to wish him well. And in his place is Owen Rubin. Hello, Owen. I can never take his place. Hi, Tim. This is your... Uh, David, David, I hope everybody who's sick gets well. Absolutely. Uh, this is your second podcast in two days. You did one yesterday, is, you said. Yes, I, um, I did Arcade Outsiders last night, which was a which was an interesting uh, podcast because they got into a fight. It was... <laughs> I, 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 I was telling... Uh, they are live, yeah. yeah. They do it live, and then they release the audio as an actual podcast. I used to listen to it. Uh, I finally unsubscribed because I, I like, I especially like John. I like his uh, YouTube show. I do, too. But they talk about stuff that has nothing to do with arcades way too much, beer all the time. <laughs> and then they keep talking about these events, which I understand is fun to do, but... 90% of the people listening are never going to go to these events, so they could care less. And if you spend three quarters of a show just talking about an upcoming event, who cares? Well, I think that's what this was, a lot of this was about last night was, um, I guess, um, what's the name of the Fun Spot. Yeah. Fun Spot Arcade. I used to have a yearly, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call tournament. it. Contest, a tournament. And I guess these guys have taken it over, so their tournament is coming up. And there was a big argument last night about who was going to be where on what day and where they were going and all the plans that got messed up and it, it got it got ugly for a while. Really but why why is that a show? It's not right. Who cares? Talk about that offline. And if if the whole thing is arcade outsiders, talk about arcades. Yep. I mean, personally, we talked it, a little bit about games and stuff, but it didn't yeah, last very long. No, so. and that's that's why I stopped listening because my interest is in gaming, arcades. And they both, they all, three of them have really big arcade collections. They do. And I know that John, in particular, I like his show on YouTube, restoring arcades and stuff like that. And going out and picking some up and, you know, it's, to me, that's enjoyable. Why not talk about that kind of thing on Arcade Outsiders? Instead, it's how drunk are we getting? What are you drinking? And and vile feedback from people. It's just... It, it was. You know, if so that's their thing, that's cool, but it's not what I'm going to sit there and listen to. We did talk a little bit about arcade. When we did talk a little bit about arcades, I was trying to talk about, you know, the game that I've been trying to find for years. Which is? It's um, it's an old electromechanical from the 50s. Wow. And, uh, I think it, the one name it was released under was called Titan. And the only reason, you know how when you're a kid, you see things and they fascinate you? Yep. So Titan is a is a shooting game. One of those old rifle games, where at the time I didn't know this, but you look like you're looking at a, a four by four grid with these pink rubber balls sitting in the holes, and when you shoot the ball, it pops it out of the hole, and then it bounces around and falls back into a hole. It's very random, and you get score by getting four in a lot row or four four corners. So very bingo tic tac toe ish. Mm-hmm. But it uses a half-silvered mirror, so the, the balls are actually down in the base of the game, and they're shooting straight up. But the half-silvered mirror makes them look like they're defying gravity and coming straight out <laughs> of your face. That's cool. Going back. And as a kid, I was just fascinated by, how did they do this? Yeah. I remember my dad used to take us to the train station in Oakland, 
where they had a bunch of these electromechanical games, and we would play on a Sunday afternoon these games. And that one was one of my favorites. Just loved that game. So somewhere in the back, I've seen it a couple times since. Uh, very hard to find. You know, electromechanical games don't survive as well, and just very hard to find. And they're hard to maintain, even they're if you get one. Maintain. And, you know, I would probably never buy it anyway because it's big. Yeah, I was going to say, where would you put something like that? Oh, my wife would kill me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't, so, so I only have, I have, uh, I have three games in the house right now. Three arcade uh, games. Well, yeah, one's, uh, I have my old Pac-Man that was the prototype. Uh, I have a cocktail table space duel. You have a, you have a prototype Pac-Man? I have a, no, prototype, I'm sorry, not Pac-Man, I have a prototype um, Dig Dug, sorry. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. I was thinking about what was, it has a, it has a Ms. Pac-Man board in it as well, but it was a prototype Dig Dug. It's the one with the the paper graphics on the side. Yeah. It'll probably be going up for sale at some point, because... No, keep it and just will it to me, so after you pass, you're, <laughs> you're 20 years older than me, well, not quite 20, you're like 16 years, okay, so I'm 47, so you're like 15 years older than I am. Um uh, you got to will that to me, dude. Right. Although I'll probably die way before you, anyways. But still, <laughs> yeah, I don't smoke. <laughs> you still smoking? Yeah. You got to cut that out. I know. But then I have a um, uh, my major havoc prototype, which uh, my friend Scott Evans has right now because he's copying the cabinet. He's going to be building uh, reproduction cabinets for people. Oh, cool! Which, you know, so if you have a if you have a like a Tempest conversion or something like that, and you want it to be in an original cabinet, yeah, that was the big thing for Major Havoc. Uh, there was some dedicated cabinets, but then they released that uh, conversion kit, so you can make right. a Tempest. Which it, 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 to me, that never made sense because that used a roller ball, which is yeah. the wrong mechanic you, for that game. Well, the Major Havoc used uh, a one-dimensional, uh, a one—I you know, should say—a two-direction ball, right. left and right. Um, I, I actually asked for that to be done because I didn't want. A ball that rolled up, and Tempest used that spinner thing, that whirly gig thing, right? Which yeah. it doesn't spin fast enough. Uh, if you try to spin it as fast as you need to spin it for Major Havoc, he goes backwards. Oh, you know, gotcha! You spin it too fast and it doesn't see it, so it, it made it a little hard to play. And then the conversion kit is a little slower than the original game because that bo- uh, the monitors weren't as fast, so they had to slow the game down a little bit. Huh. Which really kind of pissed myself and Mark Cerny off for the guy who worked on it because we had set all this timing up, and it was when you go onto a conversion kit, it plays entirely different. Even the music sounds slow. <laughs> like, yeah, like Quaaludes, man. What's wrong with that? Even that's better than the Atari Greatest Hits on iPad, though. Mm. You, I think I told that story here once that they, I talked to them in New York about doing an iPad version of Major Havoc and. I had this great idea that it would start off looking like an emulator. So it would be, you know, as close as we could get to the vectors. But as the game went on, it would start morphing into a raster style modern game. And then it would have five, four or five new levels. And then the actual end game that I designed but never implemented, where he actually reaches the planet of Vax and he blows up the. the it's a giant maze, basically. It's just like all the mazes you've been. You ran out of space, right? Yeah, yeah. It, had, it was going to have four reactors, and uh, it would be an end game. You know, you have to set off all four reactors and get out before all four blow up, and that would—that's where they were manufacturing the ships and the robots and everything. And then you'd win the game. And um, so they said, "Oh, that sounds fantastic!" You know, what's your budget? So I went home and I looked at it and I said, "Well, I could probably do that, you know, for 100k because 
it was going to take a while. I had to build an emulator. I had to build, you know, a lot of new content. I had to reprogram it from scratch. There's nothing I can use, right? And they then they call back. Well, how much can you do for seventy thousand? You know. Yeah, so they're going to start nickel and diming it down, down, down. So they down. got it down to like twenty five k. Yeah. They said, they said, "What can you do for twenty five k?" I said, "I can walk out of your office." Yeah, I don't blame and you. I did. And then that. So they came out with Atari Greatest Hits, and so I got asked a question yesterday, not on the podcast, but by someone else on online. What did I think of emulators? And I said, you know, I have a sort of a love-hate relationship. I think it's very cool that people get access to games they would never otherwise ever see. So it gets a whole new audience. But they don't play well because playing with a keyboard and a mouse just doesn't work. Right. Well, it depends. Uh, depends I, 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 I'm, I'm of the same opinion as you. Um, emulators are great to resurrect stuff that's kind of homeless. Uh, and let's be honest, you know, even the most sophisticated arcade can easily play on a PC. I mean, there, right. there's more power an than you know PC. what to do with. Right. An old PC. Yeah. But the controls aren't right. Everything is emulated. It's 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 not as good. But there are some platforms that, honestly, it makes no difference. I'll give you an example. Um, Super Nintendo, NES, Atari, where you can yeah. plug in a joystick to a PC and it just works great. I, I mean, was thinking of arcade. Yeah. Games. Some of them you can play, because up, down, left, right plays pretty well on the keyboard. Yeah. Um, but, like, Major Havoc has this word roller control, or, or Tempest, which has that yeah. spinner. You need something similar to that to get the right feel for that game. Well, so. even then, sometimes it's still... Like, I've got a, a Tank Arcade joystick, uh, arcade controller, that I replace the buttons and the joysticks in it, but it still has a rollerball. But even with that rollerball, Tempest just doesn't play right in emulation. I played Tempest to death at a laundromat where my my parents used to go when I was a kid. It's a great game. And I loved Tempest. And I got really good at it, in my opinion. I can't do it in emulation. It's just... <laughs> It, yeah, the time, it, sure, the timing is slightly different, and right, but, but it's close. Right. But so, I, so the last, the reason I'm coming full circle is I have a, a, a small cabinet that's replacing. That, that's why the dig dug is going to probably go away because I need space for it. That I'm putting a, I put a computer in, and it's gonna, it's gonna play one of these online emulator, you know, games for arcade and stuff. And so I, it's a sit down, it's a sit down stand up. Does that sound wrong? It's an upright cabinet, but it's a sit down height. Yeah, it's a, yeah, I know exactly which. It's, I, I've seen those before, candy cabs and stuff like that. Yeah, they're real and popular so, in Japan. And yeah, and so I'm gonna put, you know, I'll put a good, a decent PC in there, and then I can play. You know, Dig Dug will play just fine on that because I've already done that. So because then I then I have an, you know, an X arcade control control panel that has a bunch of buttons and joysticks and a roller in it, and and so I'll play a lot of stuff on that. Um, but there's just no, and I have a pinball game. I, 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 my favorite pinball of all time was Fun House, and I have a Fun House. I've always, well, not always. I've wanted for the last a uh, little over a year now a actual virtual pinball machine that it virtual. looks. There's been some cool ones. Oh, there's some awesome ones. And is it exactly the same as regular pinball? No, but for me, it doesn't make any difference because I've always kind of sucked at pinball. <laughs> and I would rather have look it looks exactly like a pinball machine but the playing field where you'd usually see the bumpers and the balls and all that is a screen is a big, yeah, big TV yeah it just it lays flat and then there's another monitor 
above that, so you have your scores and the graphics and all that. And I've seen and some. Like the back glass. It's yes. Really kind of nice. Yeah. It, it, they look awesome. I saw one. Uh, there was a uh, pinball at the zoo, pinball at Cal- in Kalamazoo, swap meet type of thing that I went to last year, last summer. And I took Chad Perry uh, and a guy that uh, I, another guy I know named Aaron, who listens to the show. So hello, Aaron. I know I don't think I've ever called out Aaron on the show before. And we went, and they had a couple of virtual pinball machines that was done really, really well. They looked and they felt like an actual pinball machine. You know, it's got the the controls on the side. They even had the little plungers. Cool. To launch the ball, it was just it was so Which amazing. Is disappearing from modern games. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you. So one of the things about pinball that was always so cool is you had what they call the skill shot. Yep. And you had to you got to pull it just right. And if you pulled it too little, it would miss the skill shot. If you pulled it too hard, it would go past it. Now they do it with timing. Right. You, to, you know, you, there's a button. You have to press it at the right time to get it to launch. And yeah, it's not the it's same. Like, it's not the same. I nope. liked it. You know, the Funhouse has two plungers, one on each side. Oh, really? So there's a thing called the steps. And if you get the ball into the steps, it comes down into a plunger on the left side. And that becomes a skill shot where there are three spots that it can fall into. Each one is a different value. Or you can go up all the way around to the top if there's nothing to shoot for. Um, and it's because so, the character will go, go play on the steps. Right. When he says that if you can get it into the, the right channel, it ends up on the left plunger. But that's <coughs> kind of interesting. Well, last week I was uh, yeah, talking. Visual Pinball, I think, is the one you're, is the, mm-hmm. is the, is the thing you're talking about. And it's actually very cool. I've uh, tried setting it up, and it I just failed miserably. I didn't. I didn't spend a whole lot of time doing it, to be honest, but it was enough that I was like, yeah, if I ever do this, if I ever have the money, I'm just going to pay someone who knows what they're doing, can actually build a really nice one uh, and do all the programming and everything. And I'll just, you know, give them a couple grand and I'll have it. Yeah. The one I saw, they had put, uh, it had two uh, HD monitors in it. They built it into a pinball cabinet. Well, they, a lot of them actually, they, they, create the pinball cabinet so it's it's an it's a replica of okay, replica, okay. yeah like a williams or because cool what i like is that they emulated the back glass yes exactly and so it looks amazing the, when you pick the game you're playing the back glass appeared yep if you like if you like that though there's um pinball arcade for ios yeah i've got a few of them zen pinball is actually really good no but there's one called pinball arcade it's not cheap is the problem. You have, you have to buy each table. Mm. Although they give you a free table a month to play for that month. Uh, but Pinball Arcade is an iOS app that, play, that plays real pinball games. And it's that, actually that would be not fun. bad. I think you can download it for free. But then the tables, you either buy them each or by season. And they have about 35 games on it now. And they are the original games. So I mean, I've played Funhouse on it because I own a Funhouse, and it actually is damn good. Yeah, the mechanics of the ball and it's it's really really good. Yeah, you don't get the imperfections of the playing surface like you do an actual pinball machine, you know, and you can't really tilt. Um, you can, but well, they give you a nudge. Yeah, nudge but too it's too much. It tilts, but it's, yeah, but it's more annoying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, we're, we're the. I, I'm way into arcade games. I want to actually design them uh, for a living at Atari. So that's kind of why we're talking about this. I was talking last week that uh, with my Super Pac-Man, uh, the monitor was kind of, it needs a cap kit. But instead of investing a whole lot of time and all that, I 
I like Super Pac-Man, but as a standalone arcade, and I can't fit another one in here with okay. with the uh, three other ones that I have. Uh, oh, two other full-size arcades. So I've got three full-size arcades. Um, I didn't want to leave that as just a Pac-Man part, so I put a 60-in-1 board and a VGA flat screen. Right, that's the kind of emulators I'm talking about, right? Well, it, but it's on a board. It's not a computer. Right. And it plays well, but one of the things that was always bothering me, and, I, and again, this is rehashing last week's show, is the graphics were too good. It's outputting oh, VGA, and like Miss Pac-Man, as an example, is a solid yellow color. Well, that's not what she looked like in the arcade, <laughs> because the monitors, it, you'd see the scan lines. So yeah, I bought... That's right. There was scan lines. Right. So I bought a scan line generator they off of this guy. Oh, they do. Yeah. And uh, I actually did a little research. The one that he sold me, uh, this guy on Facebook in this group, on this arcade group, um, I don't want to say how much, but it was really, really cheap. But if you go out and buy one, it's like 70 bucks. And all it is, it's it doesn't take power or anything. You plug the VGA in and then going back out to the monitor. So it goes from the board to this, and then from there to the monitor. And it has a little uh, real stat adjuster, so you can adjust the scan lines, or you can turn it on and off. And it looks so much better to me. Oh, that's interesting. You have to emulate the old analog monitor. Exactly. And it looks more... Does it change gameplay? No, it really doesn't. But it feels more like... Well, I've been playing a lot lately, actually. Uh, Donkey Kong Jr., I suck at the game. I really do. I'm lucky if I get to the third level. It's just oh, like, yeah, I'm looking uh, at these scanline generators online. That's kind of cool. And uh, it, it's solving a problem that really doesn't exist. But if you want a more authentic look, and especially at the price that I got this for, I, I just really couldn't resist. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put it in there. And if it sucks, it's it was dirt cheap. Um, but it doesn't suck. And it does exactly what I wanted it to do. Do if you, you look in the show, the brand name of it. Uh, if you go to techfanpodcast.com, Owen. Oh, last week. Yeah, I actually have a link. Uh, no, I don't. I thought I did. I do not have the link in there. Oh, I'm just huh. looking online. If you Google it, there's there's dozens of them. Yeah, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, Scanline, Scanline generator. So actually, it's it's the very first one. I've got I've got the SLG three thousand. I'm I'm looking at like a T dash SLG, and so yeah, SLG seems to be the one that keeps popping up. Yep. And and I like theirs because, like you said, there's no power supply plug-in, so it just goes through. Yep. Where's it get its power? Get its power from the monitor connector. Uh, I don't think it needs it because it's just uh. It's interfering with the VGA output, right? Yeah, I'm looking at their the, this picture though, and it's got two chips on it, so they have to be powered up. For yeah, it's it's got to be more of a phantom power thing that is pulling through the VGA. Yeah, yeah it's got to be. Yeah, that it's probably enough. Yeah, it looks like it just it just drops out lines every so often. But they're pretty. I mean, they're tiny. Yes. Um, yeah, it puts a filter on the video, which is kind of cool. I like this idea. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find one of these. It's you know what? I, I'm really happy with mine. I'm sending you an actual text on Skype, a okay. picture, and that will uh, show you the one that I've got. And oh, for those wondering, I will put a link into this in the show notes so you can see exactly what it is. It's 
it works. That's the cool thing. It's just a tiny little box that fits in the palm of your hand. Oh, I see it. That is nice and small. Yeah. yeah. And it, it gives you scan lines. Do you need this? No, absolutely not. Um, but if you're running a, a MAME type of cabinet, it gives you more of an authentic look. And look, as someone who was born in the 70s and was a teenager all through the 80s, I remember what these games look like. Not to mention the fact that I've got actual arcade here. Um, <laughs> yeah, and of course, let me guess, you put them side by side to look at them. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I turn them on even when I'm not playing them just to have the marquees lit up. This makes me smile that I think, you know, that that uh, as as that displays have gotten too good. Yes. You know, that, that there really was a... Because I wonder what this would do if you ran a vector game through this. It would, it would, well, because the vector games, um, well, you, it had to be VGA. And well, the funny part is, no, no, I mean, you know, the the main vectors emulate. Oh, it would just, yes, but it would. Lines on it. Yes, uh, but it's not touching the software itself. It's just the output from VGA. That was the, one of the coolest things about vector games. There's no scan lines. Scan lines. Right. That's why they looked sharper, even though they did, may not have had significantly more resolution. They looked like it because they didn't have um, they didn't have scan lines. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, if you're trying to get more of an authentic look and feel, I think it's a good way to go. I mean, it, I like this. It, this it's frivolous, but it's cool. I, I'm glad I got it. Let me put it that way. And I got it adjusted right where I want it, so I'll, I'll never turn it off or adjust it again unless I want to show someone, you know, hey, check this out. Look look what you could do with this. Uh, but very few people would be impressed. Most people think, well, why would you want that? It doesn't look as good as if it's off. Yeah, but it looks too good when it's off. <laughs> 41.95 euros. Okay, so it comes out of Europe, huh? Uh, I China, that's, yeah, Europe. That's I mean, about, what, $75? Yeah. Well, if you if you eBay it, it's they're starting around sixty for used ones, then they go up. But I would never get them for a while and get rid of that cabinet. So I might do this because that's I didn't like the way it looked on a VGA monitor as well. I have to admit, I agree with that completely. Yeah, it's just it's too smooth. Yeah, it's not supposed to be that clean. And G two thousand version two forty six twenty two. Yeah, I don't think anybody's made a new one. For a few years now. The SLG2000 is also the name for a wonderful uh, Spriggs and Stratton generator. <laughs> <laughs> I could use one of those, too. We, we lose power in bad weather here. We do, too. We, we live in a... In fact, right now, I, if, I, if I drop offline, I blame Comcast. Um, we had a tree fall uh, a little over a week ago, and it fell straight across the wires, and it hit the wires so hard... That it snapped the telephone pole in half. Wow! Just literally, I mean, it literally broke it right in half. Um, and so our power went out. It was like it was a, it was a it was like five o'clock in the afternoon. It was a sunny day. It was really nice. I mean, and we're like, okay, why did the power go out? So we, you know, I called PG and E. Hey, you know, our gas company and gas electric company. Hey, what's going on? And our phone was out. Or our our cable modem was out because I have UPSs on this thing and it went down to uh, the cable. So I, we took a walk around the neighborhood and, of course, there's this pole snapped in half. So it took them 18 hours to get the power back on because they had to take out the old pole and put in a new pole and move all the wires. And So I walked down there the next day because our phone and Comcast was still working kind of funky. And I look at the new pole they put in and this is where unions get get you. 
So the PG&E guys, the gas, the gas and electric guys, are not allowed to touch the phone and cable stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's on the same pole, right? So what do they do? Nothing. They, they got to sit there and wait. Well, they don't want the the phone company and the cable company working on it while they're trying to get the power up and running. So they took the old telephone pole and they sliced out about a six foot section. Oh no, they didn't. Honest, honest to God, six foot section where the phone and cable connect, and they put it up on the pole and tied it in place. So on this new pole, there's a hunk of telephone pole, old telephone pole hanging on the side of the pole, tied up there with the phone and cable wires running to it. That's too funny. It is hysterical. Of course, it's not the right way. So Comcast and phone company, you know, uh, AT&T finally get out there to fix it. But something is bad somewhere in the wires. So our cable node keeps falling offline. Hmm. And it's been down about, it goes down every day for, you know, several hours. And I go take a walk around the neighborhood and there's another Comcast truck working on and I, I called Comcast. I have Comcast business, so they respond right away. I got to give. I'm not a Comcast fan, but the Comcast business office actually makes is pretty. Good. I was a Comcast business office when I had my uh, office downtown Battle Creek. They were great. Yeah, they are great. They're not like they're not like the cable company you expect. No, they actually no. respond very well. And the guy is, you know, he gives me a credit on my bill because my it's been down a lot. And uh, and he says, I said, can you tell me what's going on? He goes, well, I can't read you the actual comments, but let's just say. It's been shot up the line maybe 16 times. And he says, and they've been out, he says, every one of the texts that have been out there has swear words in their notes. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you know, they bring it up and they, they provision it and it falls back off. And they bring it up and they provision it and it falls back off. And they're, they're swearing. And he says, it's gotten up to the director level that this particular node will not stay in line. And I'm sure there's a kink in a wire or a short or something that they just haven't found yet. Uh, because of the falling, but it's, you know, it's amazing that it didn't break the wires and it's amazing that it didn't break the wires themselves. I mean, people don't realize that it's some, but it didn't. Yeah. But still to snap a telephone pole. I know. I thought about that. And it was a huge, this gorgeous Oak tree on a beautiful sunny day. The, the center of this, of the tree, the, you know, the trunk just like exploded. Wow. It just split right in half. And, and this huge oak tree fell over. And I'm guessing, you know, we've, we've been having a lot of rain, sun, rain, sun, rain, sun, rain, sun out here. And I'm guessing the tree has just grown so much in the last six months, which it had, that it was just too heavy. Hmm. And it broke the trunk. Uh, Didn't you know, look like termites or anything in there? No, the wood looked beautiful. I mean, wow. it just looked like it couldn't handle the weight. The problem is it was on the side of a hill, so the tree grew out at an angle. It's surprising how my dad had a walnut tree in his yard. Okay. And he wanted to get rid of it. And so he called a lot of places, and all he kept telling them is, I have this tree <laughs> that I want removed. And they were, you know, hundred bu- or a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there. Uh, and then he had a – my dad seems to always know a guy that does something. <laughs> yes, I, my dad did too. And uh, that's how we got our roof done, our metal roof. He knew a guy who does yeah. it, so – so he knew a tree guy, and he and he uh, got a hold of that guy. He comes out, and he's thinking maybe he'll do it for half the cost of everybody else. But he doesn't tell the guy anything. Otherwise, I want I want to get rid of this tree. So the guy comes out, looks at it, comes knock on the door, and he says, um, "Probably about three fifty to four hundred. <laughs> and my dad's like, "It's 
It's going to cost me 300 Oh, no, that's how much I'll pay you if you let me take that tree. Because it was such a mature, I, I want to say, yeah, walnut. Walnut, walnut yeah. And it, it's very expensive wood. And, he, and the guy is like, no, I can make, honestly, five times that from this tree. So yeah. it was a win-win for my dad. He got rid of the tree that it, it was growing right next to the house for so many years. It was actually right outside my bedroom window growing up. It's a very heavy wood. Yeah. Too. And it was growing kind of at an angle away from the house because it wanted more sun. And so it was going to be a, a pain in the butt to get it out of there. And the root's still there. The stump is. He couldn't get the stump. It's just too close to the house. There was no way yeah. to do it. Uh, but my dad made money to get rid of a tree that he had been wanting gone for many years. It's funny. Yeah. It's wood is if it's the right we, kind of wood, it's expensive. We have a we have a giant redwood. Mm. It sits it sits next to our house, which we've have checked every once in a while just to make sure it doesn't fall down. Now, aren't those protected in California? They are. You're not well. So when we moved in this house, there was there's one in the back, two on the side, and and like five in the front, and someone had planted five trees within a foot of each other. Stupid. So I, I know how big they grow. Mm -hmm. right? So. So you have to get a you have to get permission to cut down a redwood tree. So Oakland says, "Oh no no, you can't cut those down. Not unless they're dying." Well, they got so close they started to die. So uh, we took out every other one, and we replanted two of them. And one of them actually took. Uh, that tree was like ten feet tall when we moved here twenty years ago. Now it's probably a hundred feet tall. Welcome to the Tech Fan Podcast, where we talk about trees. Yeah, and... well, <laughs> so we had the same guy, though, that, that this guy came and said, well, you know, this is $8,000. I said, for what? And he says, I'll pay you to buy that Redwood tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, those things can be worth a lot of money. Oh, and let's take a quick break, uh, and uh, we'll be right back. curious about nintendo well check out the nintendo club podcast this podcast is done twice a week we dive into all things nintendo we dive into retro we dive into current games what we're playing what cool nintendo news is going on check it out here at the spotlight network the nintendo club podcast we broadcast this live out every sunday evening starting at 8 p.m eastern check out the nintendo club podcast.com website for more information Back here on Tech Fan Podcast 256, Tim Robertson, Owen Rubin, our occasional co-host here on Tech Fan. Miss talking to you, man. Hey, it's been a while, yeah. Thank you. you know, I, I like talking to you as well. We, we uh, you know, I, I mentioned here on the show that At Minute relaunched and with Sam Levin, but unfortunately it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. He hasn't produced any content in two months now, uh, but... He was doing video stuff for AppMinute.com. Right. What we'd really like to do is relaunch AppMinute as an audio podcast, and we're you and I are talking about that as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm seriously considering. I just have to find the time. The yeah. Time. Well, and I leave I leave for uh, I leave for Vietnam in in a week or so. so. Yeah, got drafted, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't get to go there in the draft, but I'm going there now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank uh, MaxSales.com for sponsoring this episode of TechFan. They've been our sponsor now. This is their uh, fifth week, Owen. Cool. Now, obviously, um, I love OWC fans. A little, little, yeah, they, they, if you're a Mac user, you know who OWC is. MaxSales.com is the URL. And I liked 
pick different products from them to talk about on the show as part of their sponsorship. And this is a product that was released when I was at OWC. I was showing a lot of people this at trade shows, and it's the OWC Drive Dock. And this one is dual bay. Now, the one I have here at home, Owen, is a newer tech, Voyager S3, which is a much older model. I picked it up probably three years ago. And what it is, it's a little box that you can take a bare hard drive and slide it down. And to me, that makes much more sense than having four or five external drives with with their own cases each. If you buy the bare drives, it's a lot cheaper than buying an actual drive with an enclosure from like Western Digital or Seagate or something like that. Well, it's funny you should mention that because if you were to look at my desk right now, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bare drives sitting on my desk that I want to get all the data off because they're older ones and I, you know, I haven't looked at them for a while. Right. And I have an old hard drive opened up so I can unplug it and plug one back in. I'm looking at this thing going, I'm just going to go buy this. Yeah. Well, the neat thing about this, a lot easier. right? Well, this uses SATA drives, two and a half. So yep. The two and a half and the three and a half inch drive. So the laptop or a desktop hard drive will fit in here. But when I say hard drives, I do mean SSDs as well. Right. So you slide these down in the top. And the neat thing is if you've got a bunch of drives and you're trying to kind of consolidate, this is a dual bay drive, and it connects via Thunderbolt 2 or USB 3, so it's going to be extremely fast, extremely fast. And because this is dual drive, you can literally have your new master drive in one slot and the drive that you're copying from and just swapping that one in and out. Yeah, I like that idea, which is exactly what I've been doing. Yeah. I've been, I've been copying, but I do it across you know USB 3, and it's pretty fast, but it would be nice if they were on the same device because it would probably go even faster. You know, de- it would definitely it would still go through the computer, but because it's going through Thunderbolt 2, it's going to be extremely fast. Yeah. Or USB 3. It's, let's not pretend that that's not fast either. It is. Uh, I wish I would have picked one of these up at an employee discount when I was there. I haven't. <laughs> I, I didn't. Uh, I, I, I really wanted one, but it was like, well, I've got a Voyager, so I don't really need this right now. I really wish I would have got it because all my different backups are bare hard drives. So I literally have to swap out different drives in my Voyager. And that's also where I keep my main media library. My main media library isn't an an external case. It's a bare hard drive sticking out of my Voyager 24-7. So if I want to do a backup of something, I have to eject my media drive. So I can't watch anything in iTunes at that point put the backup drive in and just wait until carbon copy cloner or time machine is done doing its thing. Swap that drive out. And usually what I'll do is I'll, I'll back up all my photos to one drive. Um, it's, it's just tedious. How do you back up your media drive? Uh, I have a, a, an old drive that I have plugged okay. into it. It's a thunder or, um, firewire 800 drive. Uh, mm. and it's just for my media backup. Okay. I think there's also some old migration Macs on there as well. <laughs> I need to go through it. It's like a three terabyte drive. I need to just go clean up a whole bunch of the junk that's on there. I do too. I I just uh, was at uh, Costco a week ago and they, I bought a five terabyte drive. Yeah, to consolidate. But here's yeah. my problem is I'll that's buy a bigger hard drive. Sorry? Uh, that's my problem though. I'll buy a bigger hard drive. And I'll just dump all the stuff from my older, older, smaller hard drives onto it, get rid of those drives, but but I haven't really cleaned anything up. Right. 
<laughs> you know, I, I need to go through that. And if, if it's an old clone from a machine from four years ago, I'm literally backing up multiple OSs and all yeah. the preference files and the libraries. I, I got to stop doing that. I need to get selective. I do, I do too. It's that, but it's really time consuming. I always thought if I was going to design an app at any time, it would be some, some way to go through and say, here's all the same files. Here's all the old OS files. You don't need that. Have it do it automatically. That would be but good. It, but it'd be a lot of research to figure out what you move, right? Because like, especially on a Windows system, you can't just move only the app. Right. Right? Because they have all these other support files. And, and even Mac now, when they install, they don't just install an app. Sometimes they install, you know, app support files and library files and, and all these different things. And so it's a lot more difficult now. Yep, absolutely. Well, it was always like that, though. I mean, back in the day, we'd have control panels and extensions as part of... I remember installing Adobe and, like, three extensions. One of them That's was really right. crashy. So uh, this thing's on sale right now, 245 I mean, it looks pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. I, I like the OWC Drive Dock Dual Bay drive solution a lot and this is the one that i regret not picking up while i was working at owc i will put a uh, direct link to this product at maxsales.com in the show notes so if you're interested check out mymac.com techfan.com or the stoplightnetwork.com and follow the show notes uh the link from the show notes show 256 and uh pick one up it's really cool i i, I really wish i would have bought one of these yeah i can see I'm looking at. I'm just flipping through Mac Sales because I haven't been there for a while. You can now buy an eight terabyte drive for your PC. Wow! I mean, I, for your laptop. That's yeah. That's crazy. Eight terabytes and it three eighty seven. I mean, that's what you used to pay for. You know, a terabyte. <laughs> well, hell, if you go back far enough, that I remember when that was a hundred and twenty gigabyte disk, and that was oh my god, we'll never fill up that space. I'm trying to remember what the uh, HD80s used to cost from Apple. They were probably that same price. Yeah, they were in there. I, I remember bet. how big those were in the day. Huge. <laughs> I had one for a long time. I still have an HD80 sitting on the floor over here. Because I, I, I got rid of most of my old Macs, but I kept my Mac SE. Yeah, that's a good one. And I put a 4-gigabyte drive in, internally because the drive that was in it had just the, the little 40-megabyte uh, drive that came in. It had just died, so I had a... And I took one of my laptop drives and pop it inside. You know? I, I was in my shed the other day looking for something. And I uh, every now and then when I'm in my shed, I look up on a shelf, and there's an old Mac sitting in there. And it's dirty and grimy, and I've had, like, oil sitting on top of it. Not in a container, but, you know. Right. So it's not clean by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even know if the damn thing works anymore. I don't have a monitor to hook up to it. It's an old Performa 410. It was the very first Macintosh I bought. I ended up giving it away or selling it dirt cheap to uh, my Aunt Dar. And she ended up giving it back to me after she got use out of it and bought something newer. But that's the machine that I started my Mac Magazine on. Oh, my God. That's so cool. that's the only reason that I still want to hold on to it. That's my only vintage Mac that I care about keeping. And you'd think I would keep it in better condition than sitting outside in a non-heated shed under, you know, cans of oil, but... Well, so, you know, you'd be surprised it probably would just start... The, so, oil, the oil is I, probably keeping it in good shape. <laughs> so I, I was in... Uh, I went out to lunch with a friend, and then there was this um, second-hand store right next to the restaurant. So I said, let's go look inside there. So I see this guy digging through a big box of old electronics, and he pulls out the black G3 laptop. Yeah. 
It's missing the keyboard. It looks like this thing has been stepped on a couple times. Uh, but the display was still intact. And so he's like digging through it. And I said, well, what are you looking for? He goes, I just want the battery and the, and the memory. So he takes it up to the counter and he says, I just want the battery and the memory. And the guy says, no, because I was near the counter. He goes, no, you had to buy the whole thing. $25. So it was it a Lombard or a, a Wall Street? Um, that's a good question. It's the... It does, the it, does it have Does it have USB? Yes. That's the Wall Street. Wall Street, okay. So... Um, he pays the guy. He pulls the stuff out, and he and he hands the he picks up the computer. And the guy the guy says, "I don't want this part." Right? And the guy goes, "It's yours." So he looks at me. He goes, "You want?" I said, "Sure." So I just because I I needed a few parts to put my I have an old Wall Street. I put it back together. So he hands it to me. So I bring it home. So this thing really looks crappy. The reason I took it is it came with a power supply, and my Wall Street power supply had died. So he, he gave it to me for free. I, I offered him some money. He wouldn't take it. So I plug it in, and it boots. Because it boots to a question mark. No hard drive. No hard drive in it. But the onboard memory was enough to boot it up and bring up the little the little symbol saying, hey, I don't fight. So I plugged a USB hard drive into it, and the thing booted up and ran. <laughs> That's so funny. That is just hysterical. So now, but now I'll probably end up taking it back there and giving it back to them so they can sell it to somebody else. Yeah, somebody but could I, use it. It just made me smile. That the, and the screen was in perfect shape. Right? It, there was no damage to the screen. It just was missing. It, the keyboard had been crushed, so there was no keyboard in it. I tell you, it's sometimes people don't pick up old. Look, if you're into collecting old computers, and I kind of was for a little bit, but I'm not anymore. I don't care about my old computers. I They're just taking up space, and I'd rather have the space back than an old Mac sitting there. But anyways, uh, I remember garage sailing once with uh, with Julie. And we stopped at this garage sale that was actually a teacher for one of our kids. And I'm talking to him, and I noticed these old Macs sitting there. <laughs> and uh, one of them, I believe... Now, I'm thinking of a different story. No. Nope. Uh-oh. Mixing two together? I, I'm mixing two together yeah, a long, like long time ago. <laughs> before I was even married to Julie, I think. Uh, yes. It, it was between... It was before I met met Julie, so I was single. Uh, I was working for this company and I was doing repossessions and stuff like that. But I was at this house and they had this box and it was a white Apple box, cardboard. And I asked them about it. They said they had a garage sale and it didn't sell. I said, well, well, how much do you want for it? They wanted like five bucks. So I took it. I looked in there briefly and I thought I saw an SE 30, but I saw keyboards and all kinds of stuff. So I brought it. I bought it. I gave him five bucks, brought it home. Opened it up, and it was actually a 128K. Oh, my God. And it had the mouse, the keyboard, a whole bunch of discs. It even had the cassette tutorials that shipped with it. My, I wish I had kept my 128K now. I, that's that's one that I wouldn't mind keeping as well because it's the original, you know. But yeah. what's funny is you could buy these old computers, and if they don't look good, chances are they're gonna you could clean them up pretty easily. The Magic Eraser. I don't know if you probably yes, know what this the, is. they're made by... Um, uh, Mr. Clean. Yes. There's generic ones, too. I bought on Amazon some Chinese knockoff, like 25 or 50 of them for like if, if you, three bucks. If people don't know what he's talking about. They're, uh, they they're look a like a sponge. You get like a cloth or sponge that you get them lightly wet, and you just rub them on things, and they just seem to lift the dirt right off. Right. I don't understand how they work. Because they're super, super, super fine sandpaper in, a, in essence. Okay. That's but kind of the technology. Amazing. Yeah, you don't put soap on it 
or any kind of detergent. In fact, that hinders their ability. You just yeah, get you it. You just get, get it a little bit wet, wring out almost all of the liquid, all the water, and it just. Do you know what else they're great for? And I bet you never thought of this, Owen. My leather couch. They work great on your cables. All your computer cables. Oh, that's an interesting idea. So you hold it in one hand and just kind of squeeze slide the cable and slide them across, and it cleans up cables beautifully. If you right. even got one, uh, especially the older cables that are kind of getting a little tough and brittle feel, you run that through it, and a couple times it starts feeling a little bit more supple. I used to use, um, what was that stuff you'd spray on the dashboard of your car? Oh, Armorall? Armorall. I used yeah. to Armorall on my cables. Yeah, that's not good, though. Yeah, uh, it, it turns out when it dries out, it makes it worse. Yeah, it makes it worse. It breaks down the plastics and stuff. Plastic, yeah. I didn't realize that until I started seeing well, cables melt. Right. Well, most of the plastics are oil-based, so yeah. um, and it, it stri- I, starts I stripping old, it out. I have a leather couch in, our, in, in the den. And, of course, my blue jeans seem to dye it blue because it's a white-colored <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the Magic Eraser, you just get them wet and rub it over, and, this stuff, and it cleans it right off. Those are Magic Racers, the, the, it was a perfect name for a perfect product. It, yeah. It's magic. I mean, it, you will clean up. It will clean up so many things very, very quickly. That Don't use you, it on plastic, though. That's uh, you got to be careful on on clear plastic. On clear plastic, yes, because it'll because it's abrasive. It's abrasive. It'll scratch. But if you have an old beige iMac, dude, it will make it look like it's brand new. It really will. I have a I have my SE up there, and it now it now, this is what I don't know if you can hear this if I turn it back on. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I, so I hadn't booted it up for a while, and, I, and the disc that I moved stuff over to, I got I was able to get the hard drive up long enough to clone it, and it made me smile because it started making sounds that I had forgot I'd stuck in my old Mac. <laughs> so it's running the old operating system that I had when I had this. I had this one at Apple. This was on my desk at Apple, which is I think one of the reasons I probably kept it. Uh, let's see if it talks. Uh, it's booting. It boots. I'm always amazed at how fast they boot. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I had. I yeah. I remember the startup sounds. I remember that welcome. Yes, welcome. That was from AOL. Yep. Uh, in fact, I, that always makes me remember. We had a some big lunch thing at Apple when we were there, and then they introduced this guy to come speak, and no one knew who he was, and he's talking for a bit and people are like oh, who is this who is this and he goes oh a lot of you don't know who i am so let me let me introduce myself you've got mail right it's like you realize it was the voice that's funny sounds and it was so very funny to meet this guy you know see this guy talk but he was the voice of that so this thing sits up there and it has a clock on it and it chimes the hours that's cool yeah so i don't leave it on all the time but it's uh, i i do if you have old machines do turn them on occasionally because the hard drives Will settle and they'll get flat spots on the spindles, yep. and then they'll stop. They won't spin. Yep. Which is really, which is what happened to the one that was in there. So I was able to get it. You know, I'm one of these people that I will take a hard drive apart, leave it open to the air, and spin it by hand to get it started, get the data off, and then just hit, hit it with a big magnet to erase it. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about here, and uh, you, you know, you're old school. I am old school. And we're both, you know, we've we've been associated with MyMac for many years. You've been there 15 years? Yeah, it's been a while. I remember, it's been a, I remember you reaching out and going, hey, come play. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It was great getting to meet you. I've appreciated that ever since. Well, I found you because of I, a book I bought. Uh, I cannot remember the name of it now. 
somebody Kent wrote it. Steve Stephen yeah, Kent. Steve Kent. Yeah. And it was all about uh, classic video games. And at the time when I bought it, I was more into classic console gaming. And I was into that way before everybody else because I bought all these consoles and video we were games. Into that very early. It's yeah, true. because I, I've got. I've got stuff that's actually worth quite a bit of money now. People are really looking for them, and I don't look for them anymore because I bought them back in you know the early 2000s, mid-2000s, when nobody else was collecting this stuff. So I was finding ColecoVisions for 10 bucks on eBay, <laughs> free shipping. You know? now, you probably, now if you still had them, you can probably turn around and sell them. I do still have them. I never got rid of any of my video game stuff. Okay. You so can probably it, sell them for 10 to 20 times that, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That one I could. Um, but... As I was reading this book, it was just fascinating, and I came across Owen in that book, and quite a few people I was actually looking up online to see if they've done anything else. And I looked, I remember looking you up, finding your website, and at the bottom of it said it was made on a Mac, and that's what made, made me reach out. Yep. That's right. Yeah, the, the website, I had a small website, and some guy called me and said, your website sucks. There it goes. <laughs> Can you hear it? Yep. So it, ring, it rings 9 o'clock, so... Uh, of course, in those days, the whole computer freezes while it plays sounds. Uh, but uh, he called me and said, "Hey, your website sucks." And I said, uh, "So you can have it. You want to? You want to?" So this guy designed it for me, and he was into Macs as well. That's how I met him. So, so I invited Owen to uh, come aboard my Mac if he wanted to do some product reviews or pretty much write about anything he wanted to. And we became fast friends. We've had arguments friends, over yeah. the time. <laughs> We've had a few arguments. <laughs> Um, so we're not both bad. not bad. No, we've, uh, we've both had journalist credentials at events and stuff like that. So we get the free press. We understand freedom, uh, when it comes to being a writer. So I think our arguments were always about, um, doing the right thing, right? How yeah. I, I did not like people taking things for free for just the just to take it for free so then they gush about it online it, yeah that just that irritates me to death even today and well i don't think we, we i don't think we argued about that because i actually agree with you there bloggers do it all the time and yeah. it just makes drives me up the wall you know? well that's why so, my mac's been around for as long as it has been that we're very honest in our reviews although lately it does seem like every review that we have is a positive one yeah, I, I, there's, I always say there's never a 10 review, 10 out of 10 review. There's a few that we've got up there, but it's very rare Somebody's that I give one up. With, you always wish they did something slightly different. But yeah, you're right. Rare, it should be rarely. It shouldn't be all the time. Well, this is what you ask a, a reviewer. Whether it's hardware or software, if they're gonna, if, if they're insisting it's going to be a 10 out of a 10, and I'm not going to change anyone's score. If that's really right. what they want to do, then okay, I'll, I'll back them up. But uh, this is a real good way to to kind of convince them that maybe it's not a 10 out of 10. If a new version came out, would you buy it? Oh yeah. yeah. That's a great question. Okay. So what would the new version have that this one doesn't? Oh, well maybe this and maybe that. So maybe this product right now isn't really a 10 out of 10. It sounds more like a right. nine out of 10 because you just told me three things that you would hope the new version would have. Yeah. I, and the question I always ask myself is if it, what, what is it? What, what could they have done differently that I wish they had done? Exactly. Right. And if you could you know, come up like, with a couple of them, yeah. then it's probably not a 10 out of 10. And it's a 9, yeah. Yeah. Like, but anyway. again, a 10 out of 10, though, really isn't designed to mean it's perfect in every way. But it's being, yeah, I get that. But anyway, in its class and it's, yeah. So, you, sorry. so as writers ourselves and very big believers of freedom of the press, there is, to me, a boundary that 
shouldn't be crossed. And some of those boundaries are privacy issues. Um, many years ago, Gawker Media, in, in one of their sub-publications, Valleywag, outed uh, an entrepreneur, Peter Thiel, who was, along with Elon Musk and Max somebody, uh, CEO and founders of PayPal. So they were very, very rich. So they outed Peter Thiel as being gay. And he hadn't come out. I mean, and to me, that's off limits. And yeah. I don't think that that should be protected free speech. Outing someone like that, I, to me, that's just wrong. Now, whether it should be illegal or not, I don't know. Um, but I think from an integrity standpoint uh, and a moral standpoint, it's a hundred percent wrong. That's, that's his personal life. You, you don't jump on, you don't write an article outing someone like that. Do you agree? I agree. Yeah. So we're on the I same think, page. I think here. I said on Facebook the other day that, you know, what, what, what happens in your bedroom and in your house is not your in anybody's business, including the government's. Okay, uh, as long as it's not illegal, as long as you haven't broken the law, right? right. If someone files a, uh, you know, wants an arrest done and files a legal complaint, that's different. That's very different. But your personal life, you know, and what you do—that's, and unfortunately, the populist media now thinks that, and it always has, really, that if you're a public figure, yep, the rules don't apply. And and I I always sit on the fence on that. Okay, you decide to be out there in the public. You know the things you do in public are fair game for media. You know so, but not the things you do in private. But see, I think a public figure is different than an entertainer. And I also don't think that an entrepreneur who founded a company is or should be considered a public figure like that. Yeah, I, and I, and that's where we you and I probably split a little bit. If if they're playing the media all the time because they want the media, then you know they've set themselves up in their public life. Peter Thiel never did that, though. He was Peter never. Thiel a, never did that. No, we he agree. was. So that's what I'm saying. We agree. Yep. The private side of his life is nobody's business. So Ballywag outs him as gay, and that's kind of Gawker's whole thing, it's talking about the privacy of others. Uh, a lot of their, I don't want to say a lot, but quite a bit of their content was rumory stuff. And it wasn't in the public good. It was it was gossip crap, which I'm not personally in favor of reading. It's not my thing. But if somebody else wants to read rumors, uh, go ahead. Right. But they outed this guy. That's just wrong. Right. Well, he didn't sue him or anything. But what he did is he kind of waited in the weeds. So a couple years ago, Gawker literally posted a sex video that was taken privately of Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yep. Yeah. And Hogan sued them and won like 130 million or something like that. But he won. Well, it turns out Peter Thiel was the one paying for all the, the, the lawsuit for yeah, Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Exactly. So he was the financial backer and Peter Thiel, his whole goal here is to put Gawker media out of business. Now I'm of two minds here. I totally get where Peter Thiel is coming from, <laughs> but is it really right for a billionaire to use his funds to try to crush 
freedom of the press like this. Yeah, I'm on the exact. I have the exact same problem. I, I, it's, like, I, it's Gawker, so I have no sympathy for them. <laughs> but what if he came after my Mac because we reviewed a product and gave it a two out of ten that he funded? Yeah. Yeah, but, I, I, I have a problem with with the ultra rich buying the media. I mean, I've had that problem all along. Uh, but that's not what this is. All over the place, you know. That's not what this is, though. This is him. When I say buying, I mean they, they their money is going to be used to control media. But yeah, uh, but so this is this is a legal thing. He is he's using his money to legally shut them down by running them out of business. But it's their own doing. They they took yeah. a sex tape of Hulk Hogan, which couldn't be more private. He didn't a he didn't know it was being videotaped, and b like you said, it was in the no, privacy of a bedroom. No, he didn't know it was videotaped. I yeah, I always say, you know, if you don't want your sex tape out there, don't make a sex tape. But, well, he didn't. He was having sex with a lady who was married. No, her husband was recording it. Oh God! Okay, I didn't. So know that it's it's a out. it's a it's a super gross situation. It really is. So it's it's hard to have sympathy for Hulk Hogan here. I'm not sure I want to see that. Oh, I, there's no abs- no way I want to. <laughs> However, that being said, there's under no circumstance should that have ever been released. And there's no legal justification for Gawker to publish this. Well, this is a public interest story. No, it's not. No, it's not. And they can argue as much as they want, but they lost. They lost. And they got hit with a big fee, $130 million, that if it stands, and they're going to appeal, but if it stands, it puts them out of business. They're done. So innocent. So uh, in, in essence... Peter Thiel is behind Hulk Hogan using his billions to put a media company out of business. I don't know if I agree with it. See, yeah, I'm conflicted. It, I'm really conflicted. I, but I get why he wanted, to, why he wanted to do it. I mean, um, I guess he probably could have sued for his own outing. Right. Probably. Uh, but he may not have won that as easily. Mm hmm. So maybe this was just a way for him to wait for the right place to sue them to do what he wanted to do in the first place. I, I, I get the confliction that I have it as well. I mean, what he did is completely legal. Here's the flip side of this argument. If you're coming down on this is wrong, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't allow someone to back Hogan or anybody else like this. Well, wait a minute. What about um, as a podcaster, I get sued because someone claims that they've got uh uh, uh, what am I, a trademark or a uh, patent over the technologies that we use to podcast? Now, look, we didn't invent, you know, GarageBand or RSS or anything like that. But this guy's got a patent. He says that you're in violation because you're doing a podcast, and that's what we have our thing on, right? I can't afford to fight fight that. Well, there's organizations that will help me. So if you don't allow Peter Thiel to back Hulk Hogan in his legal battle, are you saying then that I can't get uh, an organization that's... Like the EFF. Like the EFF. Perfect example. Yeah. I can't go to the EFF and have them represent me? Because no, then... I, have no, I, have, I seriously have no problem with him backing Hulk Hogan. I don't think I do either. I just think that, that maybe it wasn't because, the right thing to do. Because Hulk Hogan was also wronged. Yes. And he probably couldn't afford... The amount of money it was going to take to, you know, I mean, he's not he's not that big of a figure anymore. He probably doesn't have the millions it took to uh, fight probably Gawker not. on this. And I think, you know, Gawker made a couple mistakes. 
You know, and you have to kind of live by the sword, die by the sword. You know, yeah. they're going to do stupid stuff, and it costs them their business. Part of me says, too bad. I mean, it, this isn't a billionaire shutting down a company. This is the company screwing up and getting caught, and a billionaire funding someone who was wrong. And a company that's demonstrated over and over to over to have no morals or sense of responsibility or even looking out for the public good it was gossip it was just the icky part of that we all seem TMZ of online uh, they're they're worse um i'm sorry would that get us sued (laughs) well they no they'd love the free press the free publicity we just gave them for saying tmz um Look, a lot of people like it. There's a reason that these kind of sites are there. They're serving an interest because people want to read gossip about celebrities. They want to, yeah. even if it's not true, you know, the the Bigfoot sightings that you see in the National Enquirer or Elvis is still alive. You know, they just. Well, so Tim, you brought up an argument I made the other day, um, and I, we won't get into politics, but it's surrounding politics. That I hear people say, oh, I don't like this candidate because they've done this. Oh, I don't like that candidate because they've done that. And most of the time, what they're talking about is a big media outlet that's done some opinion piece, not a news piece, but an opinion piece that gets picked up by all these things like Gawker and everybody else and spread around like the gospel. Yep. And it's true. You're talking about Bigfoot sighting, you know. Those newspapers used to do that all the time. They would take some take some opinion piece and post it like a news headline, and then everybody believes it. So then you say, well, you, you know, what you're saying is incorrect, and they go, well, here, it was posted on this website. Well, yeah, that doesn't make it true. Right. That was an opinion piece. It wasn't... It was an opinion piece that became true, and I see yeah. that happen all the time. You know, I'll hear something on CNN that they'll say, well, this is what we believe, and then later it's in someone's blog that CNN said this. No. Well, I, I, I also think that social media is a great thing. I really do believe that. I made some really good friends because of social media. I've made money off of social media as professionally. Right. But there are some very negative things about it as well. I don't think the negative outweighs the positive. Uh, I would say it's probably 70-30 in favor okay. of the positive. But what social media, I think, does is, A, it never changes anyone's opinion. And what it does is reinforce the opinions you already have. So if you're uh, staying political for a second, if you're a big Bernie fan and you think he's getting screwed by the Democratic National uh, Committee, you're going to find everything to support your belief. If you're a but if you're a Hillary fan, you're also going to find everything to say that those people are delusional. And if you're a Trump fan, it's on and on and on. Yeah. And social media does a fantastic job of reinforcing your personal, political, religious, whatever beliefs. I get into those arguments too. And I'm, you can't, I, to, I do too. I, 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 well, we follow each other on social media. We're friends on Facebook. So I see your stuff. You see my stuff. We've commented back and forth. Yeah. You and I are, are very similar politically. Um, I think we're both, you know, uh, of a certain persuasion when it comes to that kind of uh, stuff. Actually, we're very similar in a lot of respects. Yeah, I know. I've noticed that. But I mean, look, I don't care who someone wants to vote for. And I will fight for them to have the right to pick who they Mm -hmm. want. What bugs me on those things is when someone says, I don't like candidate A because they've done these six things. And you go, well, but your candidate's done those Mm -hmm. six things. Well, but that's different. 
I also don't like it when they they think they could justify bad behavior because it's opposing other bad behavior. Yeah. Like I remember just recently last night, you know, if you want to be a a fan of that candidate, just say you don't like the other candidate or you're going to vote your party or whatever it is. I, I have no problem with that. But to tell me that you could never vote for that candidate because that person has done these 10 things. But if I say, well, your candidate has done, here's a, here's documentation that shows your candidate did the same 10 things. Well, it's different. You know, yep. d- at least makes sense. It's it's the not making sense part that drives. Well, the hypocrisy is hypocrisy is very popular on social media, no it's question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But getting back to this Peter Thiel thing, you know what? I I got to fight for the guy's right to be able to back him, and yeah. I think it's exactly what you said: live by the sword, die by the sword. Am I worried about stuff like this at mymac.com? No, and here's why: I've had big companies very angry with reviews that I posted in the past. Uh, Companies that said, we're not going to send you anything. But those companies didn't come after me and sue me for a product review that didn't go their way. Would they have won? No. No. But would they have driven me out of business? Yes. Possibly, yeah. Well, more than likely, unless I would have got uh, an organization like the EFF or electronic, yeah, um, Backing me, I I would have been screwed. Well, you remember I, that review I did of that HP printer. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't talk to me for two years. Well, and the I, funny I, thing is that's exactly the same company that was mad at me. I did a review of a, a digital camera that was just yeah. a piece of junk. Uh, they were not happy at all. And I actually did something, Tim, that I don't normally do. I sent the piece beforehand to the PR person and said, I, I, this is so bad I'm willing to pull it. Mm-hmm. Right? I just... I feel badly about this. And they said, no, 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 you, know, you have to do what you think is right. Uh, and uh, I, which I appreciated that they weren't going to, I mean, I would have pulled it if they'd asked me to, because it was just, it was just, I just was not kind to that particular printer. Um, and uh, they said no. And then that guy that I see, I can't think of his name and I won't mention anyway, but I see him every, used to see him every year at Macworld would not even talk to me the next, the next time I was there, he was so angry. And I said, I, Look, I didn't. I didn't make the printer bad. I just reported on what the problem was. I'm happy to say the next year's printer was phenomenal, <laughs> but I didn't get to review that one. I just bought it. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for. I think I've got it listed in this review. Mine was from 2004. Is this the good one or the bad one? Yeah, this is the good one. Uh, okay, yeah. So. Uh, in 2003, November, I wrote an... Wow, well, that link's not working. That's weird. I'm gonna some have, of the old... Well, some of them are buried in multiple reviews. You have to scroll down. Uh, the old yeah. input brought, it, brought them into... You know, the link points to the top of a long long list of reviews. Yeah, November 2003, I need to go look at those links. Right. Uh, it's a, it's the, the content is there, but for whatever reason, sometimes WordPress kind of screws it up. I did a review of an HP PhotoSmart 435 3 megapixel camera, and it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, it was really bad. And at the end of the review, and I, I've got to try to remember what I wrote, but I basically said, this does not feel like an HP product. This feels like a cheap Chinese product that HP is copying for whatever God knows reason. This is, this is not the standard of quality that I'm used to from HP. 
Okay. So they were not happy. They didn't want to send me anything ever again and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then finally, and I know that this review was actually posted, printed and posted in the area where all the engineers worked in the digital camera division at HP. So they all oh. read it. And I had a, a product manager from them, from that division, actually reach out and say, hey, uh, we read your review. We actually agree with you. Can I have the engineer who worked on our head engineer for the digital cameras actually call you? He'd like to talk to you. Like, yeah, I don't care. So he That's calls me up and he says, the part in your review that says it feels like a cheap Chinese product is exactly correct. That's exactly what it is. They just put the HP brand on it. And it was to be sold at the low-end market. That was going to be their entry-level camera. But the one that they actually were very proud of, that they actually designed, was an HP uh, PhotoSmart 935. It came out at the same time for 349 bucks, okay. And he personally wanted me to get one and review it. Because he wanted to... Oh, assure nice. me that this is the HP quality that we're proud of. We're not proud of the other one. We're not going to sell it anymore. We're not going to import it anymore. We took our brand off of it. That the review kind of woke up or opened some eyes. And the, and the digital camera people there at HP were never happy with that camera anyways. They didn't want to put something out that they didn't design with their branding on there. Okay. So they sent me, and I did the review in January of the, the 935, and I gave it a 4 out of 5. We did a 5 point scale at the time instead of 10 i gave it a four and a four out of five and it was a, a nice camera and it was exactly what i was expecting from hp so sometimes you can they'll be mad at you and sometimes a bad review will actually help a company make I've got better decisions calls from companies that said oh thank you for pointing that out yeah you know that's well, a good HP, company that will do that. The one thing that HP said, I got like you did when I did that printer. They they actually, I got a call from the product guy, and he said, um, "I want you to keep it because we want to do some software updates and firmware updates and send them your way and see if it solves some of the problems." So that you become so, kind of a, a non-paid product tester for them at that point. Yeah, and so I so they wouldn't take it back. They wouldn't. They wouldn't let me send it back to them. <laughs> and I was like, "Did you read my review?" Right. I was like, I really don't want it sitting here. So we ended up keep. It, it, of course, like a week later, my other HP printer, which was like eight years old, finally gave up. So we used it for a while, but it was so. The problem is, it was so noisy that every time my wife would print something, she'd have to leave her office to talk on the phone. Mm. They because they were trying to print so fast that the thing was just like banging around inside. And they actually gave me some upgrades that actually made it much better. They smoothed it out. Yeah. But it was shaking books off the table. It was just, you know, it's, it's these two stories of initially a bad response to a, a, a negative review and then the company doing the right thing that makes me sad that HP is in the trouble that they are today. They are a Silicon Valley uh, milestone. They were the one of the, they were the original, the company started in the garage, yeah. you know, their success. I mean, they, start, they were, they one of the, they one of the founders of Silicon Valley. In my yeah. Opinion. Oh, no, it's, it's yeah. not opinion. That's a, that's a fact. They absolutely were. And I hate to see a company that has this much history. And I think this much potential in the trouble that they are because they keep making bad decisions. And I think they keep bringing people in to run the company that, doesn't appreciate that history or the engineers that work there. They're not, they're not innovating at all. Yeah. Well, 
we had this. I, I, I know we're running out of time, but I, if you, you, like you said, you read my Facebook post. I made that comment about Apple the yeah. other day. You know, it's just like that. Facebook brought up one of those memories of something I wrote three years ago when I was like, you know, hey, come on, Apple, what's going on? Why, why, why are things getting so bad? Why is the software not working well? And you know, I upgrade. I was late to upgrade to the latest operating system, and when I finally did, and they converted me from iPhoto to Photo, they threw away ten years of organization of Photo. Yeah, that's bad. And I just hit the roof. I was like, "Come on, really? If you're going to do that, at least give me the option of knowing that." So all the organization of like, you know, I take, I go on trips that last two weeks, and I post, I, I put them all together in a trip full in a trip album. Well, they said, "No, no, you really want those by date." Right. And they and they undid all that stuff, I, so yeah, it's like I think Apple's having the same problem. HP's happening. It, they're they've lost their edge on innovation. I mean, HP makes a damn good printer. I we got the latest one from Costco not too long ago, and it blows me away how good that printer is. Yeah, it doesn't they surprise make, me at all. They making and it was it was dirt cheap. I think Epson and HP are doing the best job in printers right now. I've got a new HP coming for review. Yeah, I was reading this old. I found my old review, which was from uh, 2008, and I and I did finish it by saying at the end that that even with all these problems it had, the one thing that was amazing is that the print quality was stunning. Yeah, and it's stunning on draft. I use all my HP printers in draft. My ink lasts twice as long, and unless I'm printing a photo or something, it works fantastically good. Yeah, um, it just you know. Yeah, I'm sorry to see them. Not, you know, innovation, and maybe this has just happened everywhere. I'd be curious to get some of your listeners' feedback on this. Uh, do you feel like hardware innovation has plateaued? It's like have we have we hit the end of Moore's law for a while? I look at my my four year old MacBook Pro, and its processor is faster than the new MacBook Pro you can buy. It's yeah. a two point nine gigahertz i seven. Yeah, it just has less cores. And uh, no, I think it's got the it's the four core i seven, isn't it? I believe. Yeah, but the newer ones are you can get or up to sixteen, cores, okay, eight, but, sixteen cores. So my wife has the new one, and I put the SSD drive in my old one. And I think mine feels faster than hers does. You know, I've got a twenty eleven MacBook Pro, fifteen inch sitting here, and uh, I, one of the last ones with the drive in it, right? Yes, and I yeah. put an SSD in it from OWC, our sponsor. That's what I and. Think. You know, I don't have any desire to get a new laptop unless this one has a catastrophic failure. It it's fast. It's great. Yeah, I could plug in. Mine too. The only thing I wish it had was uh, Thunderbolt two because I do want this dock that we were talking about earlier I, from OWC. I agree with that. But other than the that, it has. I mean, Apple's. It you used to like you were like me. You used to lust after every new Mac that came out. Yeah. Because it because it had moved the bar up. But I mean, I, even on PCs, I I, I have a I, I use an old PC, you know, a PC in my office from Acer. It's got to be six years old, uh, and I go look at the new ones in the store, and they don't feel any faster, and they don't seem to offer me a whole lot of new. Well, features. like I was talking about on uh, here on TechFan, and you and I actually talked about it on the phone last week. When it came time to replacing my wife's MacBook, we got one of these tiny little PCs. I mean, it, it's. It's super, super tiny. Yeah. Uh, I talked about it on uh, TechFan254 two weeks ago. It's a Quantum Byte Windows 10 mini desktop PC. Windows 10's not bad. Actually. It's not bad at all. I'll be honest with you. If if it, if I wasn't such a hardcore Mac user, I would t I would totally be using Windows 10 right now. 
And I am using Windows on quite a few different devices. I do too. I I actually said the other day that I, I, so I went, when we were in Seattle last time, we went into the Microsoft store and it, someone had blindfolded you and dumped you in there, you'd swear you're in an Apple store, right down to the same tables. Yep. I mean, they copied it exactly. Yeah, but Apple's changing that now, too. I know they are, but yet with Groves, uh, which we can see in San Francisco, we have a brand new store here that's just amazingly good. They replaced the one up at the Hill, right? Um, The one that was on, I don't know if they've closed the one on, I haven't been there yet. They they put one on Union Square, which was about two and a half blocks from the old one that was on Market Street. Right. And I assume the one on Market Street is going to close. Yeah, it is. The new one, though, it's the first one to have, um, instead of a Genius Bar, they they call it a Genius Grove. And for people who haven't seen that, instead of having a bar where you stand up and talk to people and everybody's crowded shoulder to shoulder, they've spread it out into an area with trees and, and benches and and smaller tables where you have a lot of room to spread out and you can sit down with a genius now and you know on the table much and better work and you have room and it's actually very nicely done um i i don't know if they're really going to change the laws of physics because i suspect it will fill up with people as well but um it's nice but if you spread it around it will still feel more spacious and, and more there's spacious. so many apple stores they're not going to be able to take that concept as far because they're in malls and there's only so much right. space but no. But I so I went to the Microsoft store and I played with the Surface ProBook or whatever it's called. It's the high end Surface yeah. device. And I loved it. I mean I absolutely I, I said I, I this if I my computer dies tomorrow I may buy this. Yep. Uh it, it should have been an Apple product. It That's so exactly what I've said when I first played with one too. This is what Apple should have a Mac that's just like this. They should. I mean, if for those people who haven't seen it, the the keyboard contains a battery and a coprocessor and some other things that when the keyboard and the and the display are docked together, you get a high-speed laptop. But you can just undock the keyboard. You can pull it off, and the display is a touchscreen that allows the use of a stylus, and you get a very powerful pad. Now, it doesn't lo- last as long as an iPad because it's more powerful, but it runs in a lower power mode when it's... But how many packed. people use an iPad until the battery's dead? Uh, I have, but not usually. Right. Usually a couple hours at the most, and then you plug it in. It felt good. The hardware construction was gorgeous. Yeah. And it's a beautiful-looking device, and I'm going, oh, that should have been an Apple device. Apple should have been. Well, Microsoft, I think, within the last five years, figured out how to do hardware good. Yeah, they did. They really did. And even their software. I'm very impressed with this. Since Windows 7, I didn't like 8, but Windows 7 and Windows 10... Which is re- unusual. I don't know why they skipped nine, because Windows because of the sigma the, the the negative connotations of Windows eight were so bad that they didn't want to be so close to number eight with nine. But they, you do they know wanted the, to make the a odd, clean break. Odd releases are always the good ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until now, because technically this is ten. Yeah. And they so. said this is going to be the last version of Windows. It's always going to be Windows ten. They're just going to do kind of what Apple is doing. They'll call it something else, maybe? Yeah, but know. it'll still be Windows 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen their ads. Their ads kind of like, you know, your kids will know goodbye. Cause yeah, they're horrible. Windows 10, you know, blah. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to see innovation again. I want to I'm like, I'm using an Android phone now because I worked with Andy Rubin, the guy, one of the inventors of Android, no relation. And he gave me this gorgeous Sony phone and said, try using it. And I actually find myself liking it now. Um, there's very Their latest update of their operating system is so iOS-like. It's yep. really scary. They, I mean, they even bringing in things like sliding down to search and 
pressing and holding to delete. I mean, it's it, it's the same damn phone. But you're right. It, I th- it's not the software that's the problem nowadays. It's the hardware. It's just not. There's no innovation there. There's a, there's a, maybe Have VR, but to do? I I don't know, man. I, I put that out to the listeners. What do you guys think? Uh, send us Tell me what I'm missing. Yeah, let us know. Uh, it's the show at techvanpodcast.com or go to uh, techvanpodcast.com and leave a comment or hit us up on social media. What do you guys think? Are, are we missing something? Is it some really innovative hardware things out there that would just blow us away? Maybe maybe the 3D stuff or the glasses, the VR stuff. I don't know. Um, VR and AR is what I would guess to be the next big thing but, but see that again that's the that's the software generation generating all that it's not you're not going to look at one of these pair of goggles and go oh my god i have to have that they look uncomfortable right. you don't really want to stick that to your they, face and they are uncomfortable yeah so Although the one you know i worked at cast they are for a while i hate to plug them but they're going for a very lightweight tabletop experience very inexpensive compared to everybody else i kind of like that direction because they say well no. we're going to be a gaming machine and if they really get it down to what they want, where it's very lightweight, like a pair of glasses, that's going to be cool. They're, they're really working hard on the hardware side as well, and I appreciate that. But it doesn't. I still don't feel like I've done this mega jump like I was getting for years in hardware. And you know the thing is, maybe it's a little bit of a nostalgia thing for me, but I don't think so. I'm more into arcade machines and stuff like that now, which is very old hardware. That gets my blood pumping a lot more yeah, than... Yeah, new again. Yeah, well, it's always been kind of true, but I don't know. I just there's not a whole lot out there hardware wise that I see that really gets me excited. Yeah. Or or new stuff. I still don't have an Xbox One. I have a PS4, but here's the thing: I don't think I've played it in a month at this point. You know, I never, so I never bought a new a new game. I honest to God, seriously, the last console I bought was a, a Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. I have a Xbox, the original Xbox. I was going to say Xbox One. I have the original Xbox, but someone gave it to me. They, when they when they upgraded, they said, "Here, here's one that's been." Hacked. Don't get me wrong. There's stuff on. Uh, if if I could give you one piece of advice, something that you could just sit down and play and have just a rip roaring time, get a PS4 and uh, a game called uh, what is it called? Uh, uh, Infamous. There's an Infamous on the PS4. <coughs> It, it's free roaming. You're this guy that has superpowers, and you roam around the city, and it's just, it's so much fun. It's easy second to control. Yes. Yes. Yep. That on a PS4 on a good screen, it looks amazing. The gameplay is very engaging. It's very simple to figure out how to control the guy and, and what to do. It's not really, I got to do all these different, I hate the games that, to do something very basic, you have to hit like four buttons, and ugh, I don't like that. Up, down, left, left, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, the graphics look. Pre- I'm looking at a video of it. It looks. Pretty it, cool. It's it's amazing. The story is good, it, and you get this sense of freedom playing this game. That GTA gets there to a point, but this is you can climb buildings and you know. It's like post-apocalyptic Seattle. It is Seattle. Uh, it's not. It's not you know. The apocalypse didn't happen, okay. but if if you've got the extra money and you just kind of want to get into a little bit more modern gaming just to have some fun, and look, and if you don't like it, you'll be able to sell it and get 75% of your money back. Um, that is a really fun 
game okay. to play. I, I liked it a lot. The, they had a infamous 1, 2, and an add-on pack for the PS3 that I loved. I still love those games. But this one, the graphics are so much better. It's really awesome. Yeah, I figured at some point when when the PS5 comes out, I'll buy a PS4. <laughs> well, here's the thing. With the PS4, I've, I've got like a good 12 games for it. There's like at least four of them I haven't even played yet. Every time I look in and think oh, I should start playing that, I go, ugh. I well, just don't feel like it. I haven't bought one because uh, when I got my Nintendo, uh, Diane, my wife, said she, she became a video game widow because, you know, like I'd get these games yeah. and I would just play them non. Like, um, Zelda, when I got Zelda for that thing, I. I yeah, but I you. Had you it's, I had to finish it's, it. Yeah, but it's. You're older now, you're, you know. Yeah, maybe I don't play. I mean, I, I play such simple games these days. Well, that's my problem. I get up and I where I have the newer video games are right next to my Super Pac-Man machine. So I literally I lean against that machine to look at the shelf where the PS4 games and stuff like that is. So I'll start looking at those games and I'll look over and I go, you know what? I think I'm just going to play uh, Donkey Kong Junior for the five minutes here. <laughs> Let's let me see if I can beat my high score real quick, and I'll play that, and I'm done. And then I don't feel like playing another video game. I'm like, yeah, that was good enough. Yeah, I get that completely. So let's wrap up this episode of an extra long episode of Tech Fan. Oh, and I do appreciate Sorry you coming for on. So long. No, I had a great time. I hope you did too. I did too. I always do. I always have a great time chatting with you. It's always fun. Uh, not sure what we'll name this episode yet. Maybe old school. <laughs> <laughs> Random stuff. Random. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. No, it's. The two old guys gripe about old stuff. But, you know, we, we stay up to date on all this stuff. That's that's the dichotomy of it. That's the, maybe that's not the right word. What's the word I'm looking we'll get for? get a scan line generator, though. I, I, I love that idea. I just I, You know, we're talking about VR and stuff like that, and then a scan line generator to add crappy <laughs> graphics to a good screen. I mean. Yeah, make my graphic. I want to make my graphics crappy. That's exactly. Yeah. Cra- crappy graphics. That's the name of the episode. Crappy graphics. That's <laughs> that's the name. Of that. I like that. Cra- and you know, I didn't get to the feedback. I had two. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. No, nah, it's all right. I'll save them for when David's on next week if if uh, all goes well. Uh, we want to get you back on again uh, soon. Yeah, you know, anytime you need a stand-in or you want. Well, not just a stand-in. I, you know, it. it I, you know, honestly, it didn't work. Every week with the three of us, it was just too busy. But I do think occasionally having you on isn't a problem. It's just when it was every week, yeah, the know. three of us, it was just, it was too busy. And we heard we from the listeners. Have, we all have the same excitement level, too. So it's, you know, we all want to get in there. And, uh, and yes, I interrupted a lot because I. Ah, that's what we do. Yeah. So we want to thank OWC, MacSales.com, uh, for sponsoring this episode of TechFan. Check them out at www.MacSales.com. Owen Rubin. I say about yep. them, if you're afraid of doing something by yourself, they will get you over that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Not only, chances are there's an online video of exactly what you want to do, and they take you step by step. But if not, you just call the number on their website, and they'll have someone walk you over the phone through the process they're they're exceptional customer service yeah um owen where are you at on twitter uh i think that you know i i, I use it so infrequently i'm mostly on facebook okay facebook. Oh, owen rubin on facebook then find him there you can follow him or if you're a long lost friend that he hasn't heard from a long time send him a friend or crush you'll blow his mind and be like oh my god i haven't seen this guy in forever yeah 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 i mean i i have twitter and i probably 
probably O. Rubin at just about everything. I am O. Rubin, okay? I, you know, if you send to O. Rubin at just about, at just about any email address, you probably would get to me. Because uh, so, when, when they came out, I just kept signing up for O. Rubin. Yeah, I did. I, my problem is I signed everything up as my Mac. Oh, you did? That's right. Yeah, so my personal stuff is also MyMac.com stuff, so it's a little confusing. So we're going to wrap up. We will see you guys in a week. Bye. See you later.